0: What's up, long players? Welcome back to the long play listening party. It's been a minute. Howie Howard here from Mr. Furious Records, joined by Ebony Simon, Lefty Grove, producer Guinness, and uh, we're gonna yeah. do a little one, one question Monday. How are you, Ebony?
1: I'm good. I'm good. It's a little sticky down here, as you can tell. I got a little bit of glisten on me, so I got my got my walking rag next to me, so I don't look so sweaty on camera.
0: You're glowing. No, it's hot. I'm in my basement. It's a little hot down here too. So, uh, September nineteenth in Kansas. It's that global warming age, and uh, yeah, yep, still it a the, little hot.
1: What was it like? Eighty-six today. Usually about this time, it's in the sixties, and I'm wearing hoodies on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, it was upper eighties today. It has been. I think there's going to be some rain tonight, maybe or tomorrow, and, and cool up a bit. But still, only to the seventies. Not, <laughs> not lower than that.
1: That's better than nothing. That's
0: Indeed. So, um, all right, today's question, I'm going to ask the question and then kind of go through some, some thoughts that led me up to this question. But my, my question is, if you are under about age 35, have you lived through a pop music revolution? And I think the answer is no.
1: I, and... Uh... Yeah, I I don't want to fully say no to that, but at my age, I definitely know that I saw more of a musical revolution than someone that's 35 did. Yeah,
0: I think I think that's unequivocal.
1: Yeah, like I was in the garage rock revolution. I was already buying my own alcohol legally. Like, I was 23 in 2000 when, like, the Strokes got big and then you got Interpol and, like, actually, funny thing I would even mention Interpol, but that's, like, low-key, probably my favorite band from that whole era. Like, those guys, uh, the Hives were really good, but they were kind of, I I mean, I don't want to say flash in the pan because they're still touring and they're still doing things They just put out a like, new record, yeah yeah and it 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 sounds like the hives yeah (laughs) I was gonna say for what it is it is really good you know like you're but they they're the last that's the last era that had like a distinct sound where it's like soon as you hear hate to say I told you so you know it's the hives you know soon as you hear uh last night from the strokes you know it's the strokes you know uh you hear untitled from interpol you know exactly who that is like they caught lightning in a bottle like in 2000 and then you had that, like, that evolution of garage rock into, like, the dance rock that kind of came out with, like, the Rapture and uh, Chick 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 and bands like that. Like, all those small little subgenres that came out just because garage rock got big, you know, even even to a certain extent, a lot of jam bands, you know, uh, uh, Soundtribe Sector Nine, uh, Modesky Martin and Wood. Uh, all those bands are kind of to me at least, I don't know about anyone else but to me that's all kind of different levels of the same wave of like music revolution from that era because I didn't hear about any of those bands until like about the blog era you know, like when you started getting a lot of people turning away from Rolling Stone and Spin Magazine to get their music taste and music choices and the internet was coming up and you had Napster and uh LimeWire, rest in peace. Oh, LimeWire. <laughs> Jesus. How many viruses did I had to get rid of on certain laptops because I wanted to hear one song? Because right. of Limewire. And it took like six hours to download it, you know? Like right. the digital digging had just started, and the word of mouth was kind of ending because of the digital digging. So, like all of that kind of hit right between like I'd say 98 in 2002, like a really solid, like fulcrum of the shift when it went from word of mouth to digital age. And then you started getting bands that weren't very big that were coming through Lawrence all the time and like the kind of like the venue hierarchy where it's like, if you weren't already popular, you played the replay first. And if you could sell out the replay or at least get a packed house at the replay, then they moved you to the bottleneck. And if you pack the bottleneck, they'd move you to the Granada. And if you pack the Granada, they'd move you to Liberty Hall. And if you pack Liberty Hall, you had to go to Kansas city. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't just like we're going straight to Kansas city or we're going straight to Bonnaroo or anything back then. It was still a lot of word of mouth and a lot of like bands that are major. Now you saw in venues, the size of like, the replay like uh or the bottleneck you know like a specific example for me i saw system of a down open for incubus on the science tour in a 200 person venue that no longer exists in wichita kansas system was the opener and all they had was their first album they had no other songs they just had the self-titled album and that's it and they played it front to back and it was single-handedly one of the most amazing shows I ever saw in this town. But that was 1998, you know? Yeah. So, like, there was that shift, too. Like, the metal shift and the and the band shift, too. Like, uh, new metal died, but certain bands elevated themselves from new metal at that time, too. So, Incubus, Deftones, uh, System of a Down kind of redefined metal for, like, a major label in, in, in certain ways. And then you also had Slipknot coming out in like 99, uh, every time I die bands like that, you know, uh, at the time he was still kind of culturally relevant, but Marilyn Manson was putting out albums still. So like, there's this weird mix of everybody getting involved with each other back then from like that revolution. And I really, and, like, the kids that we're talking about, the 35-year-olds are under 35-year-olds. They're 13, 14, you know, 12, 8, 9 years old. Who knows? Right. But they're, so that's, they're all... Go ahead.
0: You make, a, you make a good point, which is, like, another way to frame this is, like, what is the last the, or the latest musical revolution, pop music revolution? And you the one you mentioned, kind of New York Rock, Strokes, Interpol, that's later than any of the ones... I had noted down and there you could make a good argument for that. And you kind of, you already went like halfway down that road. Yeah. I'll make the counter argument on that one, which is that to me, that's more of a, that was a trend, but it wasn't a revolution. It didn't change everything overnight the way, and this, you know, this speaks to my age and where I grew up and everything, but like Nirvana in 1991 is like patient zero in my mind for what, what is a musical revolution?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. If
0: such a thing exists, Nirvana in 1991 is it. The British Invasion would be another, you know, Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Musical Revolution. Uh,
1: Two British invasions, actually, if you really think about it. Because in between Nirvana and, like, the New Metal Revolution and the genre and area uh, arena of time of music I'm talking about, you had, like, Radiohead came out. You know, you had Blur, uh, the first... uh, the full lineup of Mogwai that was 1995 you know so like from 90 to like 96 there was this small mini revolution after the big revolution that Nirvana started and arguably like and I hate to say it because I still like them but in a lot of ways Nirvana was not even the best band to do it they were just the most accessible because they did the simplest music at the time
0: yeah, and I'm really, I'm kind of talking about that cultural impact level more than a music, I guess I'm, I've am been saying musical revolution, but maybe what I mean is more, I guess the term cultural revolution has different meanings in different contexts, um, but pop culture revolution. And oh, so, you know, yeah. to go through, I, I don't want to miss, you know, we're celebrating, we just, uh, kind of past the official 50th anniversary of hip hop, but obviously the start of hip hop is a revolution. Yeah. I did pick some other potential. So I think I think after Nirvana, somewhere in the mid-90s, as hip-hop really takes over pop culture, somewhere in there is a revolution. I don't know if we can pinpoint it. Some candidates, I think I mean 92 is G-funk and the chronic and like west coast breaking yeah. mainstream, right? So like that's a candidate. 95's outcast at the Source Awards, southern hip hop has a moment. Candidate maybe? Yeah. 97 Biggie, Bad Boy, Shiny Sudera. big time pop crossover with all that. Potentially. Yeah. And um, somewhere, my last candidate potentially. I mean, the last one that I thought of, I might be certainly missing something. But 96 and 97, Timbaland, Missy Elliott, Super Duper Fly, Aaliyah, Genuine. That's another kind of pop crossover.
1: Yeah. I mean, you got to put Neptune in there too, like with that t- era as well. Totally. So by it's the like time. And RB, definitely.
0: So somewhere in there. So that gets us... I don't know what date you want to pin to the Neptunes. That gets us to at least 97. So potentially we could say a revolution in 97.
1: I would say the end of the shiny suit era. So like 97 to 99 for that like particular... You know, like Tupac was already dead. Biggie had just passed away. Uh, Jay-Z became like the man right around then. Yeah. You know, like there was... There were, there were a couple of rumblings from, like, other artists and whatnot, but, like, you get that next, like, small, you get that next huge, like, pop burst. Right after Biggie dies, Jay-Z takes over, and we also get Eminem. So, like, all of that happens between, like, 97 and 2000. So I do, and then on top of that, people started paying attention to international hip-hop right around then, too. Yes. You know, like, I know that, like, Guru did some jazmatazz with French hip-hop artists and stuff like that, but, like, hearing a a guy spit fire raps in Dutch, but then, like, understanding that they don't have certain phrases that they can, like, translate in the Dutch, so halfway through the rhyme, you hear a fully American English phrase, because there's no way to, like, make it work in Dutch hip-hop, at least in Dutch, the language. Yeah. So, like, There was a lot of that Uh, A lot of uh, A lot of British MCs You know, you get Roots Manuva, You get uh, Tiny Tempa uh, You get Who else? There was a, a group of There was a label out of Leeds, England Called Low Life Records That's They were just doing Wildly like Dope boom bap hip hop and then, like, I go look them up when I finally have the chance to like be on the internet and look them up, and it's like three crazy-looking white dudes that are running this label. But like, when you understand British culture enough, you understand that like, yeah, they kind of have this idea that everybody's just poor. Like, if you're not rich, you're poor. So screw it.
0: There's a whole so, different class kind of thing over there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's all paying. It's all paying homage to american hip-hop because it's like this is struggle music we understand the struggle so this is what we're doing with it and this is how we do it and it was like that simple boom bap stuff you'd hear at the end of the 80s like before nwa came out with straight out of compton and everything like you get that feel to it where it's like they're just paying homage to everybody that came before them but like in hip-hop there are those like those three distinct eras there's like g-funk to the source awards in 95 to the shiny suit era. And that's like literally just 10 years, you know? Right. <laughs> and that's the craziest part about it. It went from like, check out my raps. I'm dope. This is that to like, now everybody peeping out the window when they see me beating up the street to, you know, uh, me and you, yo mama and your cousin too, to like, Yeah, check me out in my fly Versace wear. Like all that's in ten years, you know that's Mm -hmm. literally ninety one to two thousand. Like all of that that we just kind of spoke on. So and
0: so, let's. I pinning down the exact date is not. I think it's interesting, but not like that's not really my point tonight. But let's say it's by ninety nine. It's happened, right? By the time we're at the point of like global hip hop. The revolution has happened wherever we want to draw the line.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I think I, I'd also, I, I like to put a spin on what you just said and say, by the time 99 came around, the revolution was over. Yeah. You know, we weren't getting conscious rap in 1999. Like that, that pretty much when Straight Outta Compton got big and then Dre got big after NWA's breakup, we lost most of the conscious rappers like in in a sense of like not death or anything, but like as something that the mainstream would push as a cause or as something to be promoted it was gone
0: right being yeah. in charge of the narrative kind of or being being central to the narrative
1: more not even necessarily being central to the narrative, but like empowering the poor mm. you know that that kind of took that took a backseat to see how damaged these poor people are. Let's let them talk about how damaged they are and then bring everybody else into their world and not do anything about it. Even though practically they're all talking about, it would be nice to have some help, even though we can do this ourselves. You know, like you you missed all that by like 92. Like we, we weren't getting heavily promoted public enemy albums back then. We weren't getting heavily promoted like cool D or like, Paris or anybody like that, you know, any sort of poor, righteous teachers, you know, uh, we weren't getting that kind of hip hop anymore, where it was like a message that like, you can, uh, you can bring yourself up, you know, like, uh, black empowerment was no longer the MO for a label to make money, I guess is probably the best way to say it. Once they saw that there were many different ways to do and say things when it came to hip hop music, They took the positive part out and just let the negative get promoted. So then like when the negative got promoted, it was like, I sell crack. I do this. I do that, which I'm not going to lie. I love some of that stuff. Some of that music is just dope. Like, sure. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not not crapping on anything. I'm just like pointing out one of the things that I've noticed during that decade of hip hop where like we went from, you can do what you want to do, go to school, get an education, you know, if you got to get a job and suck it up, get a job and suck it up. You know, like we went from that to where we are when it's like, I got lots of money. I smoke lots of weed. I sleep with lots of women, you know, like it was, it was a, it was a definite shift change in hip hop when it came to that. So, and
0: if, if we're saying it happened by
1: 99,
0: I guess what I'm kind of feeling is that nothing like that has happened in music since then in the last 24 years and that
1: surprises me yeah
0: now i'm not trying to put a negative spin on that because there's been tons of evolution and people have done all kinds of wonderful things and there's there's so much amazing music coming out right now this year yep i'm not um I, i have no problem with any of this i'm just surprised having kind of live through nirvana and live through hip hop becoming mainstream and becoming the number one genre worldwide it just kind of shocks me a little bit that there's that nothing has come along in the last 24 years with that level of
1: impact uh mainly because now that we do have the internet a lot of it is digitally based like nirvana was something you had to search out you know like you got it on mtv you got it on the radio but if you wanted other nirvana things you had to like subscribe to whatever label they were going on and like find out what record store had certain things because there was thing there were things they did that came out before never that you wanted to find and then it got packaged you know it was like oh we can do all these things and then keep it kind of rare so we can stretch the money a little bit you know like once once the internet became people's main way of like sourcing material and finding things that era was pretty much destined to kind of die off uh i do think that now there's more of a digital version of that going on but it's just called it's it seems like it's just going viral so like a snippet of a song will be a movement but then two weeks later nobody will remember who made that song yeah. So it's just, a, it's just a quicker timeline of, like, movement. But nothing has really, like, you know, adhered itself to society like that, that sea change of hip-hop that happened then. And to a lesser extent, that sea change of rock music that happened from Nirvana, you know?
0: Yeah, Nirvana was much more of a, you know, style. And, I mean, there was some depth to it, but not... Mm -hmm. hip-hop was more political than nirvana and nirvana i mean nirvana was political not um but i don't it's not really close in my mind which one was kind of deeper in a way i want to my favorite nirvana this is a tiny little sidebar um but i'll send this to you if you're interested in um but my favorite nirvana thing to listen to i don't. It's kind of hard for me to listen to Nevermind; it's just kind of over, oversaturated. But yeah. the the Roma bootleg, Ooh, uh, yeah, from the February 22, 1994 show. You can find it online; very easy to find. Or if if you can't find it, let me know and I'll send it to you. But um, that's like my favorite Nirvana thing to
1: listen to. I like uh, I like that. Uh, I enjoy listening to In Utero. In Looks Utero great. holds up, yeah. Yeah, like my favorite Nirvana song's on that album. So uh, Francis Farmer will have her revenge on Seattle. That's just a great song. Like, that's the song that Rivers Cuomo wishes he wrote every time he picks up a guitar and and writes a Weezer song. Like, I I, I almost promise you that. Like, that's just one of those songs where it's like, yep, he hit the nail right on the head with the hammer on that one. Because it's such an inside joke. And if you know Seattle history, then you know it's an inside joke. And it's all kind of unnecessarily dark because of how everything turned out a few months later. So it, it it, it makes it like a moment for me in time where it's like, yeah, I know exactly what I was doing and exactly how I feel every time I hear that particular song. But the thing I like to listen to the most from Nirvana is the live album from the Muddy Banks of the Wishka. Also very good, yep. That's a, that's the one I just like, yeah, these guys are in rare form, and they were all on that night, too. And Pat was in the band, so they had that layered guitar, and it just sounded really good for a live recording. And then, as we know, everything that happened happened within, like, the next three months. So,
0: so. this is a... Here's a, here's a weird little... Um, fun side note to the side note but uh so in in high school i ran on the cross-country team and we'd like print a t-shirt every year right uh-huh. and one maybe my sophomore junior year whatever i convinced my cross-country team that our t-shirts should read on the back uh from the money banks of the big blue which is the river that went through the town i grew up in uh-huh. and uh, nobody got it nobody understood that that was a nirvana reference except for except for me and like one other kid <laughs> 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 just just lost on everybody uh, was, uh, which was, was not the guy. goal I wanted people to get it and so I was disappointed when when no one got it but it was on the shirt so there you go nice well uh, I think we answered it any any uh, final thoughts about musical revolutions before we uh, switch questions
1: no actually that I mean that was a good talk that was that was a nice nice refresher because i don't get to talk about these things very often because people look at me like i'm old and it's just like dude you don't understand the history that we have like the things i could tell you that i've seen musically where you guys are like this is dope and it's like i saw this like this and they're just like no you didn't okay never mind so i'm glad i get to pass some history on and plus i like talking to you too you're good yeah i like talking to you too and we
0: you know we can't do anything about our age all we can do is uh try and be cool and be open to new stuff yeah. as we age. Right.
1: Yep. I don't want to be a gatekeeper. I always want to learn new things. So absolutely. That's,
0: that's the spirit of the
1: long play listening party, which you've
0: been listening to uh, subscribe on your podcast app, RIP stitcher um, or on YouTube. You can uh, subscribe on YouTube. That would be get great. Trying to get to a hundred subscribers on YouTube. So even if you're subscribed on the podcast app, Head over to YouTube link in the description and subscribe there. That would be great. Uh Ebony. On
1: YouTube.
0: Awesome. Stay on the line. We're gonna record another pod for everybody. Um, but listeners, viewers, we're gonna let you go. Until next time, uh Howie and Ebony for the long play listening party. Later.
1: Later.